Hello, heathens. I need to say something before we get to today's conversation. I've had a little bit of anxiety about putting this one out there, and I don't want to pass along that anxiety to you right now and have you worry that something terrible is coming. That is not the case at all. Uh, My guest today, Damian Ludwig, is my very good friend, a former roommate, actually, and our conversation was a really good one for me to have. Damian and I have a lot in common some parallel parts to our journeys. We're both queer. We both went to the church that I helped plant in San Diego over a decade ago. We have a lot of friends in common. We share a lot of values. And our conversation tracks some of these parallels and shared history. And then toward the end, we talk about where we each find ourselves today. And again, there are similarities, but there are also a couple of key differences. Like me, Damien still attends church today. Like me, he feels compelled by the possibility that he might be a conduit for change in the church, a voice that can advocate on behalf of the marginalized, a voice who can help center queerness in his faith community. But unlike me, Damien attends a church that is not expressly open and affirming to the queer community. What I don't want to do right now is speak for Damien. He will let you know how this works for him toward the end of this episode. But I do want to speak for myself just for a moment. When I sit down to record a conversation with someone for Heathen, I'm very preoccupied with their comfort. I want to make sure it's a safe space, that they feel welcome to be themselves, to express their genuine feelings and talk about their experiences without feeling pressured or policed in any way by me. And so, toward the end of our conversation, when Damien describes his role in his church community, I was experiencing some tension inside. And I think that my desire to make sure I was creating a safe space for Damien caused me to misrepresent my own feelings. And I may have even inadvertently created some moments where queer listeners to this podcast and maybe even queer allies might feel do not represent their best interests. So specifically, Damien talks about how he feels valued in his church because although it is not expressly open and affirming of his sexual orientation, it does welcome his participation and input. In my response, I say more than once that I think it's, quote, beautiful that he's in a church that tries to make space for people who believe different things about being queer. I believe I said this out of my desire to ensure Damien felt safe and comfortable in our conversation, but the truth for me is that I do not believe that a church is beautiful if it does not expressly affirm LGBTQIAP people. I think that non-affirming churches are at best problematic and at worst, and probably far more frequently, can cause some very significant emotional, spiritual, and psychological trauma. I also believe that no queer person, no person at all, in fact, should stay in a church where they feel unsafe, marginalized, undervalued, demonized, or otherwise made to feel less than because of who they are. That is no one's cross to bear. You deserve a community 
that fully supports, affirms, and celebrates you. Whether that is your church, your family, the neighborhood pub you frequent, or anywhere else you choose to find connection with other human beings. These conversations are not easy. (laughs) Oftentimes, we talk about deeply personal experiences and beliefs. I am not always going to say the best thing, nor will I always be able to accurately express myself in the moment. So thank you for having patience with me as I learn. And please, please do engage me on this stuff. Do write in and let me know when you feel I've misspoken or when I express a viewpoint that's out of step. That's a big part of what we're doing with these conversations, learning from each other. And I actually think the conversation Damien and I have here is one that more people need to have. It's not easy stuff, and it's absolutely rife with potential landmines. I think I probably stepped in one, which is why I wanted to take the time to provide a little context here at the beginning. So as for Damien, his choice to attend the church he does is his own very personal decision. And while it's not the choice I would make, that doesn't mean that it's the wrong one for him. He's no pushover, and he has very well-considered reasons for attending, as you will hear in our conversation. We do actually conclude in a place, I believe, where we are both able to express our genuine feelings, but there are just a couple times on the way to that conclusion when I misspeak with this sentiment that a scenario is beautiful when I do not actually believe it to be so. I just wanted to be sure that you my friends and listeners to this podcast know at the outset that it is not my intent to convey that queer people should in any way be expected to participate in faith communities where they are anything less than 100% celebrated and affirmed. Okay, thank you for letting me get that off my chest. And now, please enjoy this very good conversation, I promise, (laughs) with my Very kind, very earnest, inspiring, funny, and big-hearted friend, Damian Ludwig. Spiritual Conversations for the Godless. I'm Matthew Blake. Welcome to Heathen. heathens welcome to another episode of this podcast uh where we talk about spiritual things uh for the godless um i am matthew blake and i'm your host and i'm here in a home that i haven't been in for a while but that i used to live in um we're talking today with damian ludwig he is a very old friend of mine actually we've been friends for like 12 long yeah, maybe 12 Probably years. Probably 12 years, yeah, because yeah. I've been in San Diego about, or maybe longer than 12 years now, yeah. but yeah. Um, and we were roommates. You, uh, well, we, we initially moved into a house, uh, a, a different house than this, and lived there for a couple years. And then, um, and then, yeah, you bought this condo, and uh, I, like, just rode your coattails. <laughs> I was like, can I still be your roommate? <laughs> and, uh, and you, yes, were, please. <laughs> and you were super, super, super generous to like, let me live here and, and 
pay way below market, <laughs> uh, San Diego market rates. Uh, and I had a dog at that time too. I had Winslow, Winslow. Uh, the old border collie who lived here, who's no longer with us. And I miss him very much. But, um, that was another thing where you were being super generous. Cause you're not, you're not a huge dog person. I'm not a big pet person actually. Yeah. No. I wish I was, but no. <laughs> I know. And I, you, I could I could tell that it like strained you sometimes <laughs> having went this crazy border collie who had like no respect running through your home. You but know, you know when people like they introduce you introduce your pet to them and they're kind of like they want to reach out and pet your dog or cat or whatever. I guess not cats but yeah. you want to pet your dog but there's a little bit of a hesitation like yeah. eh, do I <laughs> Well, that, yeah, that's, that's you me. all the way. Yeah. You're like the the okay if oh. I have to. Oh. Um, but yeah, that was those those were good times. Mm-hmm. We had a yeah. I lived we lived together for like five years or something like that, right? Yeah, maybe two years there and then yeah, three years here. Three years here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a lot of growing and coming of age with you actually. Um, so I was very excited to do this, to have this conversation with you because I feel like we've been on similar and then yet like wildly different tracks when it comes to faith and spirituality and, and all these things. And I think, I think it's going to be really interesting to like hear, um, kind of where our stories kind of come together and then where, where we kind of also went some different ways too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, first, I've been talking a lot already, so let me give you the microphone for a second and let you just say hello and like introduce yourself to folks who might be listening and just however you would like for them to know who you are <laughs> so that I'm not like the only one telling, telling them things about you. <laughs> well, hello, heathens, huh? Is that how we... Yeah, that's, <laughs> hello, that's heathens. the intro. Uh, Damien here. I hail from the Northeast, the lovely small state of Connecticut, which um, uh, I guess San Diego is officially my home now, but you know there's still a little bit of a of an emotional tie um, to Connecticut in the Northeast. And how long have you been in San Diego now? Um, I moved here in '02. Okay, so yeah. math is not my strong suit. So yeah, me neither. So uh, we, we're not even going to try to do that yeah. math. But less than twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, yeah, moved out here. Um, a, a boyfriend and I moved out here to California to start over, start a new life, and um, and yeah, and I've been here ever since. And it's a good place to be. It sure is. We can't really get better weather than no, this. Yeah, and you've and you've like done really well. Like you've just you have a good life. Like a good you know you have good people in your life. You spend your time. I feel like you spend your time. On really yeah. good things, you're just yeah. an admirable person, Damien. Aww. That's just that's what I want people to know about I you. Don't, Damien. I don't know the humble response to that, but I you don't. don't know. <laughs> you do not have yes. to be. Hum- this podcast is called Heathen, so you you do not have to okay. be humble. Okay. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, uh, well, let's 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 start here. Um, you're the first out gay friend I ever made. Which I didn't realize that, or I, you reminded me that of today. I, yeah. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. Wow. That's it, a lot of pressure. <laughs> I didn't realize I had. <laughs> you represented the, the gay community to me. Uh, I'm um, sorry. And you're welcome. I know, right? Uh, yeah, because when I moved to San Diego, I was, um, I had 
had I had I come out? I think I came out like very publicly in terms of like the letter that I wrote on uh, <coughs> MySpace, um, <laughs> not even Facebook. Just uh, a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. I wrote, you know, I wrote like an you know, open letter to my friends and family, blah blah blah. And I think that was right after I moved to San Diego. And but but before I met you. Um, so I was very freshly out of the closet. And at the time, I was still in the space where I was saying, well, I'm gay or I'm same-sex attracted, but I'm not, you know, I'm celibate. I'm not, I'm not a, what, do, what did we call it? Acting homosexual? Practicing. <laughs> Practicing, yeah. thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a pra- what does yeah. <laughs> practice at being a homosexual? <laughs> like, what does that even mean? Oh, brother. Um, yeah, so... You, you showed up at the church we started. I, I moved to San Diego to start a church with uh, a group of folks from Nevada. And, uh, and you came pretty early on. Um, and that's where I got to know you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I met you and another friend at the Earth Fair. Remember, it was the Earth Fair. And, oh, I had forgotten about yeah, that. Yeah. And I, apparently I wasn't there for some heated altercation, which I wish I would have seen. Maybe I'm glad I didn't see that. But, um, but I remember being at Earth Fair and thinking, wow, this is so, you're like the only church that was here at a, at a such an important event. That was such a radical thing, huh? Yeah. Like, the, you know, 12 years ago to be representing a faith community at this like very, yeah. frankly, heathen, heathenistic, <laughs> right. whatever uh, well, kind of event. Well, like, except there was Baha'i. There that's was true. Muslim, I mean, there was any oh, true. faith you can imagine. But not a lot of Christian churches. I, well, except for the ones that were holding the signs. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was there was some faith represented there. You're right, I forgot about yeah. that. Holding holding the kind of the anti-abortion signs and all that. Yeah. But you're right, I had a very... Um, <laughs> My uh, my inner aggressor definitely came out uh, with some guy who came up to our booth and assumed, I think initially assumed that we were uh, a church because he saw we were a church and he's like, oh, well, these guys must be here protesting this thing too, mm-hmm. you know, protesting the whole Earth Fair. And then he saw whatever card we were handing out, which was like, you know, we're stewards of the earth or God loves the earth or something like that. Like, let's all participate yeah. in taking care of our our mother earth and uh and he just turned on us real fast and like started calling us out for you know the the um wolves in sheep's clothing that he thought we were i guess and i yeah i got real up in his face i got i had to get i think i got like literally pulled to away to like away from the booth and just told to calm down by my my friends (laughs) because they're like it's not worth it it's not worth it but to me it's always worth it yeah yeah, sure (laughs) yeah i love a good fight (laughs) (laughs) that's right Uh, yeah but um so tell me a little maybe let's start with uh well we already started but let's go to um just like your upbringing what was your what is your spiritual so so another person i had on on this podcast told me that she listens to uh, a a show called on being Mm -hmm. um which i have never listened to but it sounds really fascinating and the host of that show asks people what is the spiritual background of your childhood Oh, okay. Yeah, which I like that question. Yeah. So let's let's go there. What was it like childhood for you and, growing and up? teenage and adulthood, I guess. Yeah. Kind of. So um, my background, my parents, so we were a part of a Christian church that was, um, it was a, kind of a cross between like uh, maybe Mennonite or, um, I, would, I won't go as far as to say Amish, but mm. um, so sort of, it was part of the Anabaptist movement, which is 
kind yeah. of the same as those guys are. Um, so a lot of traditions, culture is, is a huge emphasis. Um, more than spirituality per se, it was about, this is our culture. This is our community. This is how, you know, kind of separatist. Mm. We do things a certain way. And, um, so I didn't really have a lot of, um, like strong biblical teaching per se. It was more of like church slash God, uh, slash community is this is what's right. And this is how, you know, this is how life works. And, mm. Um, so it was very like, like, was it very, uh, based around your practices and like what you did when you came together? Mm, no, I'm, not, I'm not even that. so much. It, it, I mean, kind of, it, it was more, it was more, it was very cultural. Like mm. you figure, you know, you, you, you go into a, like a different, how do I say this? Yeah, it was very, it was very cultural more than spiritual. So what it meant to be a Christian was, oh, I go to church on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Um, I, I, I don't do these things. I do do these, these things. Okay. So um, like a moral code. Moral. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I, 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 I guess I'll use the word legalistic, but, gotcha. um, uh, yeah, moral code. Um, and it, it was sort of like an, an outlook on a lens in which you view life. I guess all faith is sort of like that, but yeah. So it was how I was brought up. I didn't really identify as that. Um, in in this particular denomination, you weren't a Christian until you made this conversion, which some people call it born again. Some call it being converted. Um, you know, you there's an age of accountability, as they call it. Mm. You, you may have heard of that oh, term yes. too. <laughs> and I know it well. <laughs> when you hit when you hit that age, you're accountable for what you know, and you either convert into the church and become mm. a Christian or you don't. Was it a case by case basis in terms of what that age was or was there a, I think so. Okay. Yeah. I so it's like I somebody mean, just looks at you one day and says, you know what? You're, you're old enough or, now. Or, you know, yourself, you the, know, yourself the Holy Spirit oh, okay. tells you, okay. Um, and I never <laughs> felt that I never had that. And when I hit 18, I, you know, my parents were like, you don't have to come anymore. So, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't, I mean, I, I liked it cause it was all that I knew in terms of like the community aspect. It was like a big family, really. There mm. was 200 people in my parents' church and they were like a big family. They wow. would go out to dinner with each other and because they were exclusionary from the world, is that the word exclusionary? Um, yeah. Kind of withdrawing. Se- separatist Se- or separatist, whatever. Yeah. Right. They were separating from the world. So they, there was a huge emphasis on community. Um, but I, I didn't, it was, wasn't that I didn't theologically disagree with them. It's just, I didn't want that kind of life for myself. Interesting. Um, they weren't people like I, I didn't, they didn't seem very happy. There was a lot of depression, especially among the women. And it was kind of a lifestyle that I was like, "Eh, I want to have fun. I want to enjoy life. Yeah. And that certainly, you know, being rule based, it's not about joy or, you know, having a good time. It's about, um, preparing yourself, um, for heaven, I guess. Yeah. Uh, huh. I don't know what your parents were like back then, obviously, but you know, I've, I've hung out with your parents a few times in the years I've known you and your mom, especially is someone who I think like loves to find that joy in life yeah. and just appreciates beauty in life. And, you know, she spends a lot of her time creating beauty in life herself. Yeah. Um, so but she's, she left. 
she, so she left. <laughs> you, if you Did would've... she leave when you left? No, I left when I was 18, and my mom stayed with and uh, stayed in that denomination until her parents had both passed, oh. and then she felt like, okay, now I can, Cause I can leave. your grandparents were a part of that same tradition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. I, see, I see, I see. And then when she left, it was interesting because, and one of the reasons I mentioned Mennonite and Amish is because once she left, there was she was excommunicated, and there was oh. um, a uh, sort of a... They looked at her differently. Like they really? wouldn't embrace her the same way. And there was a sadness. Oh, she's the oh. the one who left. And it was hard for her because yeah. you know, you're in a community, such a tight knit family, and they sort of exclude you from from their life. Especially it's, a formal excommunication like yeah. that. Like where it's like and I, I would presume that that was something that was kind of shared with the congregation. Right. So everybody knew oh, right. that you know, we, you know, Mrs. Ludwig, we can't, right. <laughs> we cannot hang out with her anymore or whatever. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Were you excommunicated when you left? No, I never joined. Because you hadn't joined. Right. Oh. Right, right, right. So you went for 18 years. Yeah. Wow. I, did, I, I never, I mean, I learned all the Sunday school stories, you know, mm-hmm. and like I learned some, the doctrine, but I never, um, made that commitment. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I, uh, I <laughs> I felt very compelled to make that. I mean, we didn't have a um, I, like a formal process of joining our church. We didn't have a membership actually. Like mm. that was part of our um, tradition. Was um, which our our tradition. I think I've talked about it already on the podcast, or I haven't yet. If I haven't yet, then it's coming up. But um, uh, our tradition is. It, we if you're in it, you call kind of call yourselves the assemblies. Um, which is not uh, related to the Assemblies of God. Um, it's just kind of the way you refer to it when you go to these, their Bible chapels or gospel chapels, that's usually what they're called. Um, and they're just uh, people coming together to like like share the Lord's Supper and um, mm. there's no leadership, there's no... And by Lord's Supper, I mean like communion, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bread and wine. Um, so there's no like official staff or leadership or anything. I mean, there is leadership there. There's volunteer leadership on an elder board, but that's it. Like, um, so not very formal. No, there's no formal membership or anything like that. It's, and and the reason for that is because in their minds, it's because you just, you come together and you meet in the name of Jesus. Like that's it. You don't, there's no person like, you know, we're not following the, the precepts of Luther or Calvin or anything like that. We are, following Jesus. So like, Mm -hmm. we're not going to, I, I don't know. It's kind of even weird to like think about now as an adult, as a child, it just made so much sense to me that we were, we were right. You know, we we were the one church congregation that had it, had it all right. And everybody else was wrong. Um, (laughs) but, but I had, I still felt very compelled to make sure that I was seen and perceived by the people in that, in the church that I was one of them. So for us, that meant, you do, you make that proclamation of faith. You ask Jesus into your heart mm-hmm. and you do that publicly then with, uh, your baptism, um, mm-hmm. uh, which I did when I was 12. Um, young. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I did the whole ask Jesus into my heart when I was five. I remember, um, because every five year old knows <laughs> what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. It comes to, I had a very strong sense uh, oh, of gosh. where, where my life was going and I wanted Jesus to be part of it. Yeah. But, um, so did they have like emotional ploys to get you to, like I wouldn't say altar calls, but like oh no, nothing like that. 
like um I mean I would say that 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 there's a strong very very powerful use of um well yeah of a lot of different things guilt yeah. certainly being one of them uh shame I think it's a very shame based mm. um way to practice your faith um I have a family member who to this day um she and she's she's older she will say the reason she asked Jesus into her heart was because uh, out of fear of hell um so fear right <laughs> i think is fear shame guilt i think were major major motivate motivators and it's definitely uh, the kind of culture where uh there's no you know you the bottom line is that we're sinful like that we are we're messed up we are broken people in need of a savior and there's only one way to do that. And you just, it's like constant repentance and constant, like feeling bad about Mm. who you are and asking Jesus to fix you basically. Like that's just the, the baseline of where you start from, um, which is super different from like communities that I'm involved in today where it's, you start from this sense of, you know, Genesis one. Actually I was just listening. Do you listen to the Rob cast? Yeah, Rob Bell. Yeah. yeah, just a couple episodes ago on on this this podcast, the Robcast, um, he was talking about the story doesn't start with Genesis three, right? Which Page is the one. fall, right? You, you, if you're going to start with the story, you've got to start at the beginning, and the beginning is Genesis one, where it's God made man and woman and said they are good, yeah. and. I mean, just when he said that, it's, I was like, "It's so simple. Like, it's like oh, okay, but yet it makes a, it reframes your whole your whole outlook, experience, your whole experience." Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I'm saying all of that to say I just find it interesting that in 18 years of being part of this community, you never felt compelled to go through whatever the official like process of joining this church was. Yeah, no, and I, and you know, it was so long ago. I don't remember. I don't remember why if it was. I, I don't know if it was because I never felt like I could achieve it or I, I don't really know because there were people, tw- not not as young as 12, but they were converts, young converts, maybe 14, 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of my peers who I was in Sunday school with did make that step um, into the church. And I, I don't. I don't think I, I just didn't want that. Mm. So and I and they didn't have any emotional ploys to get you, um, you know, like you better get your ticket. Otherwise you're going to be in hell forever. You know, there wasn't that kind of thing. It, it oddly, or unless there wasn't, I just tuned it out. Yeah. I don't know because I, I do, you know, you mentioned those three things and there was a lot of that shame, fear and guilt. guilt yeah. And there, I mean, that was kind of like their way of keeping people within the faith. Mm-hmm. Cause if you don't like my mom, you, you're just, who knows? Hmm. You know? Wow. So. That's fascinating. Yeah. It's real healthy, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just instills a whole generation full of people who, you know, know what they're doing with their lives and and don't have to create podcasts about (laughs) (laughs) talking it out like therapy or whatever. Um, Okay. So you did that. You did, you stopped going there at age 18 and then what? Yeah. So yeah, I stopped going there and then, um, so at this point, like I said, it wasn't, my the faith of my upbringing was very cultural and it wasn't like a spiritual thing for me um but i still had there was a spiritual side of me like i still believed there was a god i still believed um i didn't really know who jesus was because it wasn't 
you know, he was some guy who died on a cross for our sins. But it, like hearing about that and like really letting that sink in or trying to understand it, you know, were, were different things. And I had never really understood that. Um, I had gone to a couple of other churches in Connecticut um, to kind of like grow spiritually and look for God. And um, they just weren't, you know, the, the, the churches, the options there, Northeast is, there's not a lot of Christianity. There's a lot of, well, the Christianity that's available is very liturgical, Episcopal, mm-hmm. Catholic, sure. um, which didn't seem, I mean, I, I, I'd gone to some of those. I'd go, I went to a, a Episcopal high school, actually. Oh, really? But it, um, there, wasn't, there wasn't a lot of meaning there. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot of liturgy. Um, and then I had gone to an Assemblies of God. Yeah, it was Assemblies of God Church, which was a lot of fun, <laughs> you know, like seeing all the emotions and the people. And I was like, whoa, these people, like, they actually address God, like, casually and not thee and thou. Uh-huh. And it was, like, very, it seemed very, like, personable, which was really attractive to me at the time. But yeah. I did, there was a lot of kind of, schmooziness like kind of like ooh, I'm, is this a the pastor was kind of like a used car salesman it's like <laughs> oh you know like, <laughs> i was like oh this is kind of i don't know so um a big step of spiritual growth for me was reading a book called the cells gene prophecy which was a big um a well, new what was that C- celestine prophecy celestine yeah like the celestial oh, C- celestine okay celestine got it. yeah prophecy which was a it was kind of big in new age circles okay in the 70s um and it was sort of uh it was a very spiritual book about a guy who goes on a journey to find these these prophecies these like manuscripts and they were sort of bringing about the age of enlightenment and um so it was just something, it was kind of intriguing for me. Um, and it actually, I think that was a big step in terms of my spiritual growth to where I am today. Hmm. You know, people may think, well, how did you, you know, you're a Christian and how, how does that, how does that work? But I don't know, I think divine God speaks to us through all sorts of venues, you yeah. know, whatever, you know, reality is reality wherever it's found. Hmm. And so... Um, I like that you just called like, the spiritual realm reality. <laughs> no, I love that. Like, oh, okay. that's, that's very interesting. It yeah. says a lot about, I think where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Reality is reality. No, reality. Ma- no matter where you find it, like God is God, no matter where you find God. Right. right. Like that's what you're, you're even if it to. comes from an atheist or a, a mm-hmm. pagan or a heathen or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so I moved out to California, like I said, with this, with my boyfriend and, um, which st- by the way, did, did the fact that you were gay, like play into at all, like your, your upbringing in that church? Like, did- no, no, it didn't. Cause I wasn't out you at the out. time. And when I did come out, I was out of the church mm-hmm. and, um, you know, my, when I did come out, my parents, you know, of course were not super embracing, you know, they were, were taught a literal view of the, of the, the Christian scriptures and the Hebrew scriptures. And they were, you know, reciting Leviticus and, you know, not very excited about that news. Yeah. So that was just another deterrent away from religion. Mm. Um, but you know, there was always kind of like this long, like, because I don't know if it was cause I was brought up this way or not, but there was this kind of longing for something more. And, um, I would, and I would say that's one of the most true things about you. Like just that you are a sp- spiritually hungry person. Yeah. Like you are in constant pursuit, right? Like that is something that is 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, and yeah, it's, sure. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool at one point because it sort of drives a lot of what I do. But at mm-hmm. the other time, it's like, well, I, you know, this is not, it's a hunger that you never, it's not like you, when you go to a buffet and you, <laughs> if you're finished, you're like, ah, <laughs> I feel satiated. Oh, um, go out to the Saquon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. You get the full buffet mm-hmm. Christian experience. <laughs> That's right. Round mm. seven. Um, so yeah, so I, so I had a, a spiritual longing and, mm. um, I just like, didn't feel content. Like I was always the kind of, kind of person that was like, not in the moment, like what's next. And like, I don't, you know, you I, like, I think you haven't known that side of me, but like before, I don't know, like I just never felt like present. Mm. And, um, so to me that was like, I, I felt like, you know, maybe if I, get connected with God somehow or a church or, or, you know, I didn't understand what that meant at the time, but, um, that was where I went. I went looking to the, to Christian churches here in San Diego hmm. and, and that led you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you, um, I've, I've, I've been to some of the churches that you've been a part of, where, mm-hmm. but where do you go now? Do you, so we don't have to say names if you don't want to say names of churches. <laughs> well, at, so at that time it was flood church was my flood right, was my yeah. big church, and that was where I, which is like the big like it started as a college ministry at right. uh, College Avenue Baptist, right? Mm-hmm. So Baptist church, like college ministry, young people, and it just right. was outsized like so fast. It just yeah. got so big so fast it became its own church. Yeah, because of the, the I think the venue that you know the t- the pastor the lead teaching pastor is very good communicator. Yeah, and he could like he knew what, how to speak to, to younger people. Mm-hmm. And then they had a really great worship band there, Future Forestry, yeah, yeah, something yeah. like Silas at the time. Um, and I, I was just blown away. You know, we had gone to a couple of like evangelical churches here and yeah. they were, you know, it was kind of, it was great. I, I had never heard Bible teaching that way. Yeah. Um, and it was really, and um, my partner at the time had, was, he had grown up evangelical. And so he, was used to that. And so he kind of helped me navigate what that was like. And, mm. you know, it's interesting cause I didn't, I was going to these churches and I, I didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind that they may not be accepting of a gay person. Like I maybe thought like, Oh, maybe they're not, but yeah. I, wow. I didn't know. Like, I'm like, well, we're in, you know, 2005 at the time. Like I, you know, people are on board with this, you know, they're not like, you know, as I associated, he said before prop eight, I know. Yeah, right. But I, it was interesting cause I had seen, you know, I kind of associated that with like stuffy old, older churches, like maybe a, you know, conservative Baptist church and, yeah. but not these, you know, this, this church has a rock band. Right. And you know, they're, they so you had never experienced that face to face, like that kind no. of a prejudice and, and, no, wow! It wasn't, how incredible to walk wasn't. in the doors and be like, "I'm here. Yeah, like you're gonna love. You're gonna love me. <laughs> this is my partner, and you know we're here together." And I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and even even Flood Church, which is is quite progressive on a lot of issues, mm-hmm. um, you know, having an out LGBT person, I don't think that wasn't really a part of their framework. So they, yeah. you know, me coming in there was. So was that would that have been your first experience like encountering something where oh yeah like yeah like oh and wait, how did that unfold we're not as progressive as I thought we were so um so my partner Tim at the time warned me he's like you know you you um they may not be okay with you you know you got to kind of stay in the closet he didn't necessarily say it that way but yeah. he kind of 
was like, oh, you know, the, they might have some issues. And so I was like, well, I'm going to go talk to the people in charge here and, and see. Because if I'm going <laughs> to... Yeah. I'm going to march down there and see what <laughs> this in, is about. Who's in charge here? <laughs> um, because if I, you know, I felt moved and I was like, I want in. I'm, mm. I want to commit. And, oh, God. and again... You know, I'm coming from the framework with my parents' church, which is like, you know, you join a church, this is your life. This is your community. This is everything yep, to yep. you. So mm-hmm. I had kind of seen, you know, if I'm going to commit to this this church here in San Diego, I, it you know, I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to be, you know, do everything. It was a part of my life. This is oh my friend my circle. Yeah. Yeah. So I had met with the pastor at the time and I was like, hey, I want to be a part of your church. Um, I'm gay. Is that an issue? And, you know... For someone who was a phenomenal communicator, it was kind of like, oh, I don't know how to respond to this person. Yeah. <laughs> like he, I guess he, he just didn't really have much experience um, with somebody in my situation. It was always people who were struggling with their sexuality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because this, this was coming from a Baptist church and, you know, they, I don't think they had many people who were like out and proud and coming to, to find, to find a, a meaningful spirituality um, to find Jesus. Um, if that doesn't like break your heart (laughs) to hear that, right? Like, Oh my God, like here's, here's a human being who's come through the doors and is moved. As you said, in your own words, like I'm moved Mm -hmm. and I want to be part of this thing. And you just had no, no idea that like who you are is going to be a barrier to that. Right. Like that is heartbreaking and astoundingly short-sighted on, on, on the, the part of, but it's, I'm, I mean, I know it's the norm, you know, that's, it's been my norm my whole life. So I just I, like, if you're listening to this and you're not heartbroken by that, like go check yourself because that is not what church is about or should be about or, or ever was intended to be about. Like, like being gatekeepers, like yeah. that's what so much of church has become is guarding the gates. Isn't who that can, ironic? Who though? can come in and who can come out? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awful. Okay, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm super impacted by that. Okay, continue. Yes. <laughs> so, so after this experience with flood, like, what, what did you do then? So, oh, so I did. I'll, I will say though, on the, on the, on the positive side, when I went and met with the leadership, like I said, they didn't really know what to respond. But he, the, the leader, I think, he was trying to formulate. Well, how do I, you know, from his theology, from his upbringing, but yet wanting to be a place where all are welcome, mm. you know, because a lot of contemporary churches will say, all are welcome, come as you are. Yes, they will, won't they? Yeah. Yeah, right. But does they, do they really mean yeah. it? Yeah. Is it lip service or yeah. do you really want me? So, and that was, so he said, you know, you're welcome here. And I think in the back of his mind, he was thinking, if this person become, you know, if he gets connected with Jesus, then he will, mm. you know, God will either convict him of his sin or he'll be celibate or he'll, you know, mm-hmm. go, get married to a woman or something. I don't know what he thought. <laughs> There's but, many options available yeah, to you. sure are. As a gay very, person very going to our one. church. <laughs> yeah. um, so he, you know, he welcomed me into the, into the church yeah. and I was very excited about that. Like mm. finally, I mean, I felt like I belonged to something. Yeah. And um, so it was, it was great. That's where I kind of started my spiritual journey and I learned about God and the Bible and Jesus um and I think it, for the most part, even in retrospect, I find I think it was a very healthy perspective on faith. You know, they they yeah. did a lot of had a lot of great things to to teach me and and learn. And but and I was there for about ten years, um, 
and the, the challenge, and I, I've met a, I have, I still have today a couple of really good friends that I, that I met in that space, but I never in my time there. And I had, I had, like I said, I jumped in, like I was involved in small groups. I went to, you know, homeless outreach ministry, the creative arts teams. Like I really tried yeah, to did. develop community there. And I never felt like I really belonged, mm-hmm. you know, as much as I tried. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I just, I felt like I was sort of, and when I, like either I didn't come out to people because I was afraid of what they would think. Um, and when I did some, some, like I said, some people responded really well and others were just like, Oh, and you could see this like sadness come over them. Uh, And, um, you know, they wouldn't, they didn't necessarily say anything like, Oh, we need to get you right with God. But it was this, you could just sense like they put me in that box of like, Oh, he's one of them. He's he's not a a real Christian. One of them, not one of us. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I know that look. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's that doesn't you have to say anything. You just you look and how they would, you know, see me around and be like, "Hey, oh hey." You know, <laughs> like like I had just like, like my mom just died or something, you know? It was like, "Oh, oh." <laughs> That's that yeah. Being gay is definitely the equivalent of that. Yeah. Um so like I said, I was there for about 10 years, but during that time, like I I still I, as I, you know, I had gone through that journey myself, like, okay, am I, is, you know, I'm a gay person. What does that mean for me as, you know, if I believe in God and I, 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 this Bible has some incredible value to my life, how do, you know, am I, do I need to change or what, what does that mean for me? And I had gone through that journey mostly on my own because I didn't have a a community of faith that I could trust to kind of walk that through with me. Um, so I kind of went through that on my own, um, and read books, podcasts, um, and there wasn't a lot of great, you know, this was just 15 years ago, and there wasn't a lot of great resources out there for people. A, a lot of resources that were Christian said, oh, you know, it's sinful, and mm-hmm. they would in, frame it in, in many different ways, but it was basically, you know, be celibate or, or go, change. Or change, yeah. Um, so I didn't have a lot of help, but I, there was a point after kind of going back and forth where I became okay with it and I had peace and I was like, you know what? I'm, this is a gift. Mm. Um, and that was a big, that was actually a big moment when yeah, I realized huge. this was a gift, yeah. um, and not a, not a curse that I, or a cross that I need oh. to bear or whatever. That's a beautiful moment. I yeah. love that moment. And I yeah. love hearing when people talk about that moment because it is a com- I think it's one of the very common things that binds, uh, most queer people together mm. is that moment of being able to say, Oh my gosh, my orientation, my sexuality, my identity, however you talk about it, it was it was given to me to be a gift in my life and yeah. to a to, gift for others. A too. gift for others to impact other people. And it makes me better. Like it, it mm-hmm. gives me this perspective on the world that I would not otherwise have. Uh, experiencing being the other, like that makes you able to identify with the other. Yeah. You know, yeah, and sure. any kind of other so much easier than if, if you if you were just part of quote unquote, what is the norm? What's right. mainstream, whatever. So I love that. Yeah. I love that moment. Yeah, me too. Um, and so in that I didn't, I, I didn't feel like I, I was struggling to feel like I belonged. And so I would, um, I don't think I was intentionally looking for another church at the time, 
But, um, but you went to Earth Fair. I went to Earth Fair. <laughs> there and we were. There, there was City Walk, and I was like, oh, I wonder. I was really impressed that there was a church that cared about creation, and that was there, like, in with the people. And yeah. these are the people that, you know, God cares about, so I care about. Yeah. And so, um, so I went onto the website, and I, I, I don't remember exactly how, but I do remember it was enough for me to email the um, the lead pastor there and mm-hmm. kind of find out, like, what do you, what do you think about this? And... And did you ask specifically, like, about yeah, being LG, gay? Yeah, yeah, I What did. was the response? I don't know that I know this. I, I don't actually remember, but I do remember it being well, it was open. enough to get you there. Yeah, like, we welcome all people, and huh. I think there might have even been a mention of there being people who are wrestling with this issue in our church. <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Guilty. Um, I can't remember. I honestly can't remember. Yeah, I, I, w- I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. at that. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Um, maybe not actually, because yeah. I think you. I think you told. I. I think later you came up and told me, and I was. Uh, yeah, I think that's how I knew. About well, because we met. I mean, uh, you know, the pastor who was my best friend at the time uh, introduced me to you. Mm-hmm. W- whatever that morning, the first morning you you came and we chatted for a minute. I remember. I remember yeah. chatting with you. Um, and I don't remember thinking anything special about it because, again, I did not have one gay friend in the world. I had no gaydar. I didn't know anything. I mean, you're just you're another person interested in our church, so it was the furthest thing from my mind. And I don't remember how it came up later um, in conversation with uh, the pastor, um, but it did. At some point it came up that, like, yeah, so, you know, Damien's the guy who emailed me about, you know, with this question or whatever, and... Um, yeah, so that then then I was like, oh my gosh, like, there's another one. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not alone in this like community of people. Um, it was I was very excited. I was like, I'm gonna make myself a gay friend. Like, yeah, oh. <laughs> I want to know what this is like. I, I didn't realize I had no, I didn't know that. No, yeah, I was I was super cool about it. You know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Real chill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently. I <laughs> um. So yeah, so we did we did church and life together for mm. a long time, and it was and it what was great about that community was it um, it was a place where I felt like I belonged, mm. like there was such a tight knit group of people, and being a small church, like everyone kind of knew each other and we'd yeah. hang out at each other's houses, yeah. and there was you know kids there and family, and it was it was great for that. There's so yeah. much about those years that yeah just gives me the absolute warm fuzzies, yeah. like. And I do remember um, the small group that we met at, at on Grape mm-hmm. Street early, early on um, with some of the best people you can imagine. And um, and me telling my story for the first time to a group of people like face to face and talking about my sexuality. And um, like I just remember the response of one person in particular who I don't think bef- before that, but he was he was probably mid 40s at that point in his life. And I don't think he had ever considered, maybe early 40s, I don't think he had ever considered, excuse me, ever considered, um, what, I, I just don't think he'd ever encountered anybody who was queer and and Christian. Mm. And um, like he just, he came up to me afterwards and was like, that was so, like I'm just, he was like, I'm just profoundly impacted by your story and thank you for sharing it. And it was the first time like I'd had that kind of a response mm. um, from people, sh- you know, from sharing my story. And because you weren't expecting that probably. No, not necessarily. Mm. I mean, I, 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 I knew I, 
I knew I was safe enough in that community to share. But again, remember, I had the caveat of I was not okay with myself at that point. Like, mm-hmm. I was still, I guess, technically, I was like, I had accepted the fact that I'm gay. Like, and I was no longer trying to change that. I had done exodus, ex-gay therapy, reparative stuff. Like, I had done that for years. And so at this point in my life, I was at the point where I'm like, okay, I'm just gay. Like, that's just what it is. But I had chosen celibacy moving forward. Like, that was going to be my path. Um, So I had that, like, safety net, Mm -hmm. um, which is very much what it was because it wasn't what I ever wanted um, personally. I never wanted to just, like, be single my whole life. Um, But I chose it because I knew it would give me the... The in the access, yeah, the in to this community community that I was not ready to uh, disassociate from. Like it's it's it mattered so much to me that I was absolutely like like without hesitation I was ready to uh, just commit my life, my whole life to being celibate, so that I wouldn't have to leave this thing. This is a small part of your life. Yeah, <laughs> just a yeah a scotch, yeah. little little sliver of life. Wow. Yeah. So. Um, but even even with all of that in place, like it was still, I was still very moved to like encounter this person who, um, I would have, and probably he would have lumped himself in earlier, uh, with the group of people who probably would have given me that look that you were talking mm. about, right? Um, uh, but no, like he embraced me and was like, "Let's do this thing, like let's let's be this church together." So it was really cool for a minute. I wonder if that if people responded that way because they had gotten to know you yeah. and they like were like, oh, this is a guy just like me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe, yes. And, and also, I, there had been times in the past when I had spent you know, significant periods of time in a church family. Um, and when I, quote unquote, came out, which again right. was, was like coming out as like struggling with a same-sex attraction, not necessarily being like, I'm here, I'm queer. Um, you know, it, that was not the response. Yeah. The response was, I uh, will get right with God or so that's, you know, we love you, but we have to remove you from this leadership team or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. I, there was something special about our little church, um, in those early days. Absolutely. It mm-hmm. was good times with good people. I just like, I grew, I certainly grew so much just as a human being, um, in all of that. Um, it was a good place, but yeah, the, the church had a lot of great things. A lot of, it brought me community, which was something I longed for. I felt like I belonged. It it hit a lot of, it met a lot of things that I was needing in my life right at that time. Um, what's going on with you now? Like where, where are you at today? Like I, 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 um, you know, we don't hang out as much as we should. Unfortunately, we live three minutes away from yeah, each other. And it's just crazy how that changes when you like are in different, whatever spiritual communities. And I no longer live in your back room. Um, uh, <laughs> and we're settled down kind of, yeah. at least I'm, <laughs> right. I feel Me like too. I am. Yeah, Me too. It's, like, yeah. Oh. it's like, you know, Netflix nights when you get home. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but you know, I do, I still, we're, we're still Facebook friends. I still yeah. see what you like to talk about and, and the things that matter to you. And it, and this stuff is, like you're spiritual, spiritually hungry as ever. Um, so what are you doing to feed that? Like, so, and I, and I wonder, yeah, I, I feel like I'm a pretty spiritually hungry person and I, because it, like, I feel it gives me life when I have those conversations or when I'm like, even when I go to church services, it's like, I, I love going because there's like this 
and I don't know why I have this because I was brought up this way or just because of my temperament or not, but I like, I get this excitement and I, and it's, it's like, gives me this, I'm not going to say high, but kind of <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it's just really life giving for me. Sure. Um, and I know it's not for everybody. So, um, um, so yeah, we went back to flood for a while and I, I was really trying to, you know, as I was becoming more seeing my spiritual, my, my identity as a queer person, as a gift, I wanted to make some sort of change within the church, you know, like they, mm. this was a big cultural thing that was happening with uh, prop eight what happened at the time. And, yeah. um, you know, a lot of buzz, um, in if culture. You're, sorry to interrupt you, but if you're not in California oh. listening to this and you don't know what prop eight is, uh, it was a, a, a statewide measure that was on the ballot that we voted on, um, uh, same-sex marriage had been legalized um, in federally. Sta- I- federally. No. No, no, no. At the state level in right. California by the court system. Uh, and we, the people of California, voted to strike that down, um, you know, to take away same-sex marriage. So from, just, just kidding, everybody. Yeah. And all of you got married. Exactly. And, um, so that was, there was a lot of talk around church around that time. And, you know, there were a lot of churches that had, like, Prop 8s that were helping to lobby for this. Yeah. And I was like, these are, these are Christians. These are my people. This is like, I, I identify as this. And like, it, that was just a really kind of emotionally challenging season for me. And, um, and my church who, which did not get involved in politics. I remember they had a seminar on how do we, how do we as believers, what's the biblical approach? You know, I love when they throw out that <laughs> biblical adjective. It's so funny. Um, what's the biblical approach to, to this? And I just remember feeling so disappointed, hmm. like, and feeling like kind of slumping down in my seat, like, oh, this is me. This is my rights. This is my freedoms. And I'm not a, I'm not a really, um, activist type person. Like it's, I'm, I'm the harmonizer. I'm the guy that's like, well, let's, let's come to some, you yes, know, you agreement. Peace, peacemaker. <laughs> I, know, I know it's like, that's, you are. um, uh, Yeah. So it it's was beautiful because people like me who are, who are the challengers, we right. need, we need the peacemaker just to, to like know, balance it on behalf of us. Yeah. So, but I remember feeling, and I remember, you know, I messaged the leadership at the time and trying to, trying to like, how do I, how do I make some sort of change or what's my value? Like, what can I do as this, as this person? Like, how can I be a gift to my community as a, as an out and proud gay person in a relationship and, you know, with, with the theology that I've come to. And it was, I felt like I was just kind of banging my head. So there was this kind of like, you know, we accept you, we love you, we welcome you here, but you know, and then there's the buts, but you can't do this, but we believe this, but you know, you're basically a second class um, member of our community, which was, that's what I, how I read that. Mm -hmm. And it was, I could only take that for so long. One of my friends, Kevin, who I met through GCN, he, um, who belonged to another um, church in town, um, Journey Church, and he, um, um, in his church, uh, there was a group called Safe Journey, which was a, um, it was a group around discussing LGBT issues. Mm -hmm. So um, it wasn't so much like a, 
you know, a discussion of the Bible per se. Um, it was just more like, uh, like a small group of people coming together who were gay, either gay people who, um, were going the celibacy route or gay people that were in same sex relationships and trying to figure out like how to fit into church. And so I went to a couple of those and I, um, remember being like excited and like, Oh, here's, you know, here I am at flood church, like kind of beating my head, like not going anywhere with these discussions. And then, Kevin's church, um, journey, who's like welcoming these discussions. They want to like dive through this and how can we as a church respond to this issue? And even though they were a church that was on the traditional side of marriage, believed in traditional marriage, they were still open and wanting to learn from other people like us. So, um, being a part of this group and then going to the small group at the time, which was the 30 somethings group, which at the time I was 30 something and <laughs> no longer, unfortunately, but, um, going to part of this group and then starting to go to Sunday service. And then I started to go like, get really excited about that church yeah. and get involved. And, and just as, as a point of clarification for me, like did, so you said there are people in this safe journey group who were like both going the celibacy route or, and, or, you know, like, being fine with their sexuality and being in same sex relationships or whatever. Right. And the church itself like sponsored this group and they were, yeah, like, this was a church group. You could choose mm-hmm. either path in this, in this church and you were welcome to purchase, right. participate. Right. Interesting. The, the, the pastoral care, um, pa- pastor of pastoral care, he had a son who came out. And so this mm-hmm. was a really important issue for him. And he's yeah. like, I want to start this group so that we can, part of it was for him to kind of, learn from other gay people. And yeah. part of it was for the church to have, like to have these discussions. There's, That's how it happens, right? You, yeah. When you, it's all, it's just an issue until you know somebody. Right. It hits home. Yeah. And there were other, there was a lot of, you know, they've dealt with this issue for a long time. There was other people who were on staff who came out and, um, you know, there, it's been an issue they've been dealing with a long time. But the cool thing was, a lot of churches, I think, just kind of like, well, we're not going to, we've studied this, we're, we're done, end mm-hmm. of discussion. Um, but this, this was a community that was like, well, okay, so what do we do? How can we move through this together? And um, they ended up taking a, a, a third way position on this. So not an affirming where everyone, you know, we celebrate this part of your life and not a traditionalist where they say, well, this is what, to be a, a part of the life of the church, you need to go this route, celibacy, celibacy. Yeah. So they kind of are doing a third way, um, approach. So let's talk about this third way for just a second. What does that mean specifically? Like, how does it, how is it different from those other two options? So third way is, and I I don't know, it's a, it's really great in theory, but I don't know how it can really be, how it can be, played out in a church setting because of, you know, you're either for gay marriage or you're not, I Mm. mean, or you're either, you know, is it just like saying that there's space for both space for for people who believe both things to coexist in the same, in the same room? Right. Yeah. So it's sort of like, yeah, that's, we have, we have pastors on staff who most of them believe this, but some believe this and that's okay. I mean, that, that barely exists in the world at all. And it's because it's nearly impossible for it to work. Yeah. 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 And I'm not even sure I would, you know, I, in fact, I'm pretty sure I don't think I personally could be involved in a church that, that would have me up close and personal all the time with folks who don't affirm my right to marry. So, 
Um, but I, I, I mean, I, at the, the baseline, I applaud the effort to, you know, have these disparate groups like coexist, do life together, you know, mm-hmm. to not make this the defining issue that like separates you into one camp or another. I think that that's admirable. Yeah. Um, and that's the, that's like the intent. The intent is like, okay, well how, what is, what is the spiritual approach? Like how would Jesus approach this? And I mean, of course there are a huge camp of us that would say, oh, well he would advocate for the marginalized, the oppressed, and he would advocate for equality for all people. And then there are other people that would say, well, you know, and they would have a different conclusion. Well, how can we come to the to the table together and do life together and still respect each other? The way I described it to somebody recently was like, I, I, as long as you affirm, I don't need you to affirm the decisions I make, hmm. but I need you to affirm me as a person. So as long as you will respect, respect me and give me equal rights and treat me the same, you know, as you would a heterosexual person, then, then I'm okay with that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I have, I do have conflicting thoughts on that. On the one hand, it's like, man, if we could just even as a culture, as a country, as a society, like if more people were willing to, <laughs> I know to just take that approach, like I affirm you, I don't agree with whatever X, Y, Z that you choose to believe or that you act on in your life. But yeah, I affirm your humanity. You are a human being just like me. We both have the right to exist here. We both have the right to live our lives uh, as we individually see fit kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then I, you know, and then I also like, there's this other right. <laughs> huge part where I'm just like, okay, but if you, if, if your beliefs like inherently limit other people right. from, from living their best life or whatever, and what and what about me as a congregant who if I if I'm having a hard time in my in my relationship or marriage and I can I can I lean on some su- support yeah. from the people who believe differently than yeah. me? Like how does that so that's kind of where it's like what wow. is what does pastoral counseling look yeah. like if you're if you're in a relationship and you need some help and it's same sex or whatever? Like mm-hmm. Or someone who comes who's struggling, yeah. are you gonna counsel them towards celibacy yeah. or, what, or, or, or a, a trans person comes like what are you going to tell this trans person yeah. that they are that, that that they need to stay the gender that culture tells them they are or yeah. you know yeah like that kind of stuff so is gets really real tricky real fast so it's ideally it's a beautiful picture of i believe a picture of the kingdom of god people yeah. coming together as they're uniquely created in their beliefs but yet how like how do you actually live that out and like mm. kind of value each other. I, I don't know. It, it's, that's the challenging part. Yeah. So are you, you're still in this, like that, this is the world you're living in right yeah, now. I'm yeah. I'm in it now. And I actually, it's, I'm excited because I, I, they recently had a sermon. Oh, sorry. We, we hear a uh, buzz. What is that? I don't know. Oh, it's gone. Not. They recently had a sermon series on, it was called theology of the body. And it was like a view of like how, what, what are our, what do we do with our bodies? Our bodies are, are spiritual. Yeah. And, you know, and it was going back to the Genesis story of creation story, as we mentioned earlier. And so the leadership had contacted me and Kevin and said, Hey, uh, can we run some by some things by you guys? Like how would a gay person perceive this story? And we want to be sensitive and, you know, which is worlds away from your other experience. Oh my gosh, they wouldn't care. They they already had decided what the, what it was. 
Mm. So, so here's what I think is awesome about this. Um, and I said this, I said this on the episode with Joshua, uh, but I think that the same things that motivate me to want to disconnect and disassociate from the church, which are ultimately the things that uh, uh, create a structure, a power structure that makes some people less than, right? Whether that's gay, whether that's a person of color, whether whatever, Mm -hmm. poor, like you don't have enough money, like... um, like that's the kind of stuff I react to and, and, and just, I'm like, sever ties, like get out of that unhealthy, um, relationship, right. Uh, walk away that, 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 you know, that way of living is not helpful or relevant or, um, good. It's not good for you. So walk away. Like that's, that's the, that's the thing that tells me to cut the ties. It's also the same exact thing that tells me to stick it out and, and hang in there that says, um, yeah, I'm going to be the person in the middle of this thing who like, I'm not going to give up my spot in this thing Mm. so that somebody else who thinks gay people should change, you know, should go through, should go through reparative therapy is going to like occupy that spot and tell people that no, like I'm going to be here in the middle, in the midst, making sure that, the gay kid coming up in this community knows that they're okay, that they're loved, that they're good, all those things. And so it's like this weird, uh, you know, the motivation, it, it it just, it's, it's a matter of perspective almost like what I'm motivated to do because it's the same issue. It's just like, do I want to be, and, and, and I'm not even saying that like, I'm just saying for me personally, like I don't think any person should have to bear that weight and, 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 like that's nobody's job to, to, to stick it out when a community is telling you that your otherness makes right. you less than, less than makes you a sinner, mm-hmm. makes you unwanted by God in any way. Like that's not your job to do that. And yet like here I am kind of a little bit almost self-selecting and saying, but I want that. Like I want to do that. Yeah. I think I th- maybe that's what you're doing too. I don't know. But I think, I think it's beautiful that, that you're in a place where, I mean, you're, you're like their reference point, you know, you're, you're kind of like the, oh, ask Damien, like Damien is going to have some really good commentary to give us on this thing. Yeah. That, I mean, that was really cool. I mean, I've been there for four years now, so I've developed relationships and they've seen fruit in my life and they're like, okay, well, fruit. <laughs> <laughs> they've seen, what's another word for that? They've seen uh, flourishing. Yeah, it's in my all life. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we know what fruit means. Yeah. <laughs> fruit fly. Um, and so they were like, well, what I, I care. I value what this guy's opinion is. I value his experience and how other people who are in his situation may feel. I mean, I, you know, that's been kind of, that's what makes me feel like, Oh yeah, this is, this gives my life significance, mm. you know, be a part of this. But, I just want to respond to something you said earlier too, though. Like I, I'm a harmonizer. That's my temperament is to kind of like build bridges and to like, you know, help different people come together. So that's kind of a thriving environment for me because mm. I can help do that. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you are, you know, more of a, like, let's get stuff done. Yeah. Can I, can, can I say shit? You can say whatever, <laughs> let's you get say whatever the hell you want on <laughs> okay. this. Yeah. All right. Um, let's get shit done, you yeah. know, and let's, 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 I'm going to go and like, if there needs to be change, I'm got on my way. Cause I'm there now before you, before we even finish the sentence. 
Yeah. And so <laughs> you just like, hit, hit the nail on the head. Yeah. I mean, don't think, I, just do. I love that about you. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's important for people like you. I mean, you have to find like where you fit mm-hmm. in with that. And yeah. Podcasts seem like a good. Yeah. Well, no, nobody, nobody gets to tell me <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's my name on the damn thing. So yeah, I get to talk about whatever I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, Amen. Which I'm so glad we got to talk about this. Damien, yeah. thank you so, so much. Oh, this has been so much fun. You're, you just, I don't know. I'm very, I'm, I'm always blown away by you. You, uh, I, your peacemaking and, and that, that path that you choose and that you're inclined to, but ultimately that you choose, like that's mm-hmm. the choice you make is super inspiring to somebody like me who, yeah, like I do just sometimes want to go in and turn over tables and, uh, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not, I'm not content, uh, to often to let people like be in the process of figuring it out. And yeah. it sounds like that is what you're in the thick of. Yeah, it's like yeah. giving people space to process and to, and to come to, well, what we would ho- the place we'd hope they'd come you know. to. But, um, but that's, uh, I mean, I didn't, co- I didn't come there overnight. It took me a long time to right. come out to admit that, you know, being gay wasn't just struggling with same-sex attraction, that it's much, much deeper uh, uh, than that. And so, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm inspired. And uh, it rem- it's a good reminder for me to, uh, you know, before I turn the table over, to just pause for just a second. Yeah. And, uh, and there's nothing wrong with, People want to turn the table. <laughs> every, every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, no, that's every once we, in a while. We need that. You gotta you throw know? some shit around. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, let's do this again sometime. Yeah. Yeah. I'm up for it. Down the road. And thank you everyone for listening to me share my story and my thoughts. Yeah. yeah. I think it's uh I mean, the the podcast hasn't actually launched yet. It's it technically launches tomorrow, but um the conversations we've had so far so good. I can't wait to listen there's, to them. Yeah, there's just good, good people who want to talk about this stuff, and I think there's going to be plenty of people who want to listen and um, uh, and ultimately interact. Like, that's the goal for this thing, too, right, is to have a community of people who can, mm-hmm. like, you know, send us whatever, like, questions that you want to talk about. Like, honestly, like, if you want to be on this podcast, hey, just holler at me. Like, maybe we can make that work because, I mean, I'm going to run out of friends eventually (laughs) who, like, are kind of in this... Anyone? Yeah. Please? (laughs) Who are in this space. Uh, So, yeah, this is is good stuff. Thanks, Damien. Yeah, thanks, Matthew. Thanks for listening to Heathen. I'll be back next week with a new guest. In the meantime... Take a minute to go follow Heathen on Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram. The handle is at Heathen Podcast. And you can also visit the website at heathenpodcast.com to learn more about this project. Send your comments or questions, and maybe we'll talk about them on an upcoming episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, I would love and appreciate your five-star review on iTunes. It makes a huge difference for a new podcast. I'm Matthew Blake, here's to the heathens.